Chapter 12, Life Insurance. Life insurance in the title above has a question mark after it because it raises more questions than it solves. To begin with, calling it life insurance is a misnomer. It should more accurately be called death insurance. But if it were called what it really is, the insurance companies would not sell as many policies. Most people avoid pondering their own demise. To further add to the confusion, you really cannot insure your own life because in order to collect on a life insurance policy, you have to die. That puts you in a category where you will not need and cannot use the money anyway. So do you need life Life insurance? Probably, at least for part of your life. The primary reason life insurance exists is to enable your loved ones in the event of your own untimely death, to be able to survive and to satisfy whatever debts you may have incurred along the way. Beware the life insurance salesman. Many young couples are approached by life insurance salesmen right after they get married, have a baby, or buy a new home. I guess they read the paper too. Actually, vital statistics are their comic section. They love to prey upon the young and vulnerable. See chapter 9, Wanting the Right things regarding not allowing others to separate you from your money. This is a classic case of remembering to never buy anything unless it is your idea first, and only then after you have done all the research. I am not suggesting that there is no need for life insurance, but it is a reasonable bet that you do not need the kind of life insurance that a full-time commission salesperson is peddling. I am not certain what they call it these days. They keep repackaging it, but the kind to avoid used to be called whole life insurance. That is the type of policy they love to sell because it generates the most commission for them. Additionally, it keeps generating commissions into perpetuity as long as you keep paying. As a matter of fact, when I looked into this type of policy, the agent would have typically received 80% of the entire first year's premium as a commission and then a smaller residual commission for every year that the policy is in force. No matter how likable the salesman, you are not obligated to make his car payment for him. Actually, he should have used more discipline and paid cash for a car than he would not have a car payment to make at all, just like you. We will next look at who needs life insurance, how much you will probably need, when you might be needing it, and what type you should consider getting. Who needs it? First, consider a single person with no dependents. No one leaving this life should be a burden to others. In that sense, everyone should have enough assets to cover whatever type of final arrangements they would like. Or, if they have not managed to save anything in their lifetime, a small life insurance policy to cover the cost of those final arrangements would be appropriate. I suspect that if you are the type of person that is worried about what kind of burden you will leave behind, you are probably also a saver. You can have a nice funeral for about $10,000 or less, so you probably should not worry at all about life insurance if you are single and have no dependents. Instead, worry about being single with no dependents. Second category, a young married couple with no children, renters. This group is a favorite target of the aforementioned agents of doom, favorite because a new husband wants to do everything he possibly can to protect and provide for his new bride. Also, if they do not have children yet, they probably can afford to spend money on a big insurance policy. Be wary. Do not be duped. All you should be looking at is what will happen to your spouse if you should die. Be realistic in your assessment. If she is young and pretty enough to marry you, she will probably still be young and pretty enough to marry someone else if you were to die suddenly. Or if she does not remarry and if she does not already have a saleable skill, she will need time to train for a career, after which time she can easily care for her own needs. She will only need help until she
she can become independent. Three to five years would be generous. Life insurance agents love to sell you a policy that will care for your wife until the day she dies without lifting a finger. Why? Because the more they can sell you, the bigger their commission will be. They might appear to have your best interest at heart, but in reality, they have their own. If the husband is the breadwinner in this case, his life should be insured with a reasonably sized policy, but no insurance is needed for his wife at this stage. Next category. Same young couple with no children, homeowners. Now we have approached a legitimate need for life insurance. Debt. If you were to die leaving behind a large mortgage, that mortgage will still have to be paid for or the house forfeit. By having enough life insurance to exceed all your debts, your wife will have a place to live with no mortgage payment and be able to survive until she remarries or trains for a career. If she is still young, all the above applies. In addition to having enough life insurance to cover your debts, you will need to sustain your wife for three to five years until she can take care of herself. Time marches on. Same couple, several children, homeowners. Now you have reached a point where you really do need some serious coverage. If your wife will be left with young children, you probably will not want her to have to work outside the home, so you will need enough life insurance to eliminate all your debts and provide for your family, at least until your children are grown. You will also need a life insurance policy on your wife when you have children. If she were to die, you would need to continue working and you will have to have someone else care for your children. Here is the irony in all of this. Now that you finally need all the life insurance you wanted to buy in the first example above, you cannot afford to with all the other obligations you have. So, to obviate this difficulty, you need to buy it the right way in order to afford it and not from the agent in your living room. More on that to come. Final example, same couple, children are grown, home mortgage is paid off. No other debt and financially secure. Need for life insurance? Minimal at most. You can see from these examples that your life insurance needs change throughout the cycle of life. That is why there really is no appropriate application for a whole life or fixed policy that will be able to meet all your changing needs. Back to the future. It is amazing to me how many of these lessons we learned when we first got married. Lots of folks keep learning them the hard way, which is why I am writing this book. When we were in the second category above, newly married, renting, pregnant, but no children yet, we were approached by a very nice and professional life insurance salesman. He sat in our living room and tried to explain to me why we needed permanent insurance or a whole life policy. Having learned from the IRA fiasco earlier that year, I read the fine print and studied the issue before I signed up this time. We did not have computers in those days, believe it or not, so I had to do the analysis longhand on a very large sheet of ledger paper. I believe I still have that analysis from more than 35 years ago. When I was finished, I concluded that I could not afford to buy his policy because it just did not make sense. At best, it was a very expensive way to own a small amount of life insurance and a poor investment vehicle. I do not pretend to know all the different ways that permanent life insurance is packaged these days. There may be a better mousetrap out there now. You will have to do your own research, but beware of overcommitting future resources on a life insurance program that goes on for many years. It is easy to get hooked on promised returns, but read the fine print about the guaranteed returns. That is all you can really count on when the chips are down and guaranteed returns are typically very low. I compared the monthly premiums for my agent's policy, think of these premiums as something you might buy on credit, with the cost of buying term insurance and investing the difference at a nominal rate of return compared to buying for cash. I was so far ahead by doing it my way that it was ludicrous to consider his option. He was surprised by my findings and mentioned something like most people are not disciplined enough to do that but as you know by now I am not most people. I determined that very day to be that disciplined and have my program work and it did. Needless to say I did not buy a policy that day. If you purchase term insurance when you are young it is very inexpensive. As you get older the premiums will increase considerably. 
So the trick is to not need any by the time it gets expensive. And how do you not need any? Easy, by being out of debt by the time your children are out of the house and having sufficient assets to sustain yourself and or your wife should either of you die. Disability insurance is basically the same story. While you are working, you will probably be covered by some type of employer-sponsored disability program. When you are ready to retire, if you have provided a means for your retirement that is not dependent on your direct involvement, i.e. your money is doing the work instead of you, then you really do not need protection for disability. If I were to die today or become disabled, our income would not change at all if Sister Lindorf wanted to keep selling lemonade. If not, other income streams would be sufficient for her needs. What about estate taxes? There is one other case where paid up or permanent life insurance does make sense. If your estate is large enough that you will owe estate taxes when you die, then it is a good idea to have enough permanent insurance so that your heirs will not have to sell your assets to pay the taxes. That does not apply to most people and certainly not to you if you have been following my counsel about staying under the radar. You can live comfortably and have a large enough estate to care for your needs and wants without becoming a target for the IRS when you die. That is the sweet spot. So how do I buy term insurance. There are a number of consolidators online who will shop dozens of companies for the best rates on the insurance that you want to buy. This type of life insurance is not much different than buying auto insurance or a homeowner's policy. It is not an investment. It is an expense, so you will want to get the best price from a reputable company. Do not be afraid to shop around the same way you do for auto insurance. It does not matter if you end up changing companies as long as you are healthy. Over time, as you get into larger policies, insurance underwriters will want to do a health screening before they decide if they will insure you or not. If you do not qualify for health reasons, obesity, cancer, etc., then you will want to find that out before your current policy lapses. Shop early. If you do get a dread disease, you will generally be able to stay with your existing company without requalifying every year as long as you keep renewing. There are a variety of ways that term insurance is packaged. I like the 10-year level premium approach. That way you know ahead of time for the next 10 years how much your insurance will cost. But shop around and do what is best for you. They also have five-year level premium or premiums that start lower but escalate annually. Do your homework and you will be handsomely rewarded. Another reason I favor term insurance is that you can buy just the amount you need when you need it. Just a little when you start out, then more as your obligations increase, then taper off in later years. That is the best of all worlds. The agent in your living room likely would not agree with me, but follow the money, he has an agenda. When considering life insurance policies that include only term coverage, Remember that the plan I have outlined above is only viable if you are doing the other things I have recommended so that you will not need life insurance when the premiums start to spike upward, 50 to 55 years old, plus or minus. If you plan to be like most people and spend the bulk of your life in debt, then you will probably need to seek advice from a different source. Life Insurance Addendum 2011 It would be timely to note that even after we no longer needed life insurance for all the typical reasons, we actually purchased a sizable policy in 2011 called a second to die policy. Premiums are level, do not escalate with age, and must be paid each year until both insured parties are deceased. At that point, the beneficiaries will receive the face value of the policy. The reason I chose this apparent about face on permanent insurance was in search of yield. Current yields are so low on conventional investments that a life insurance policy of this type turned out to be the most prudent and effective way to leave an inheritance for our children. Even if we were to both live another 30 years, not likely, the yield would approach a 9% compound pounded return. If we both die sooner, the yield will actually increase because the face value is fixed. In addition to superior yield, another bonus is that life insurance proceeds are tax-free to the 
beneficiary. Try to beat that with conventional investments. You might be asking how can insurance companies take in less money in premiums than they actually pay out in death benefits and still stay in business? The answer is simple. Enough people start down the path, pay for a number of years, and when their circumstances change for the worse, preventing timely payment of their annual premium, they are forced to quit. When that happens, their policies are canceled and the insurance company keeps all their previous payments. My advice to you, if you choose this course for yourself, do not purchase more insurance than you can comfortably pay for with available cash. I will be using IRA funds that will require minimum annual distributions anyway once I reach age 70. Do not plan on future earnings to make the payments or you may end up like those on the broad road. Set a foolproof plan in place to ensure that your premiums get paid even if you are incapacitated mentally or physically, a very likely scenario in old age. A life insurance trust can be established to ensure there are no lapses. This type of policy will only work if there are no hiccups. On a second-to-die policy, if you predecease your spouse, she, or a trustee, will have to continue making annual payments after you are not around. Otherwise, there is no payout. So it will be prudent to set up a life insurance trust with a trustee young enough and interested enough to be sure those premiums get paid when you are not around to see to it yourself. Good luck. For more about life insurance strategies that can be implemented to assist with your retirement income, see The Ultimate Money Tree in Chapter 14, Retiring Without Permission.